2: Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST.
1: Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. This is a weekly conversation where my goal is to talk with guests that either have a great story to tell or who have achieved something remarkable in their lives and through their story, hopefully get inspired myself and perhaps inspire you too, um, Thanks everybody who tweeted out about the Jet Wilkinson episode last week. Amazing feedback. She's got quite a story to tell and um, I thoroughly encourage you to follow her on Twitter at Jet Wilkinson if you've not uh, already done so. She's a remarkable woman and um, if you haven't heard the episode, by all means stop this one go back and listen because man, it's, it's pretty intense. It's amazing. If you like this show, if you hear something that makes you think, if you hear something that you go, oh, I'd like to share that please do me a kindness if you're comfortable post a link to the show either on twitter or on facebook either way tag me i'll make sure to try and retweet you or to share you as well but it really is the greatest thing you can do for me if you like this show is to share it with the people that that you care about and let them know what you're listening to i'm on twitter you can find me at osher ginsburg o-s-h-e-r-g-u-n-s-b-e-r-g on twitter and if you don't want to miss an episode just go to itunes and subscribe you can rate you can comment on the show Uh, for more info about the show com and click podcast I am so completely humbled that I got new and noteworthy on the iTunes store this week that's enormous that's like being on the ARIA charts or the billboard charts that's incredible and that's because that's because you, you rated this show and you, you commented on this show which is how the iTunes algorithm works along with downloads I, I could never have dreamed that that would happen I just made a show that I always wanted to make and just believed that people who wanted to find the show would find the show and you found it and I couldn't be more grateful. Thank you so, so, so much. Um, Please keep doing it. Please keep rating the show on iTunes. Please keep reviewing the show on iTunes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm a bit overwhelmed by that. Um, Had an amazing weekend. I was in Melbourne with my younger brother. I'm one of four boys. Um, So I'm number two and I went to Melbourne to hang out with number three and his boyfriend. I absolutely love those guys. I love them so much. Um, They're just wonderful together and I I love being around them. Um, I love my brothers, all of them. For all different reasons, I love my younger brother because I love talking to him about how my brains work because we have you know you look at us, we look similar, all my brothers and I we all look similar on the outside, and you know we 're all similar on the inside we all kind of to varying degrees have similar brain patterns going on. Um, my brothers all have far more of a handle on it than I do <laughs> i'll tell you that um so i 'm really grateful to to be able to speak with my brothers um about what goes on inside my head and um so something happened on the weekend and I was really grateful and I was able to bounce it off my brother and I guess one thing that I've learned and it's a really full on thing to learn is that sometimes my perception of the world of how I perceive a situation or my perception of the intention of what someone said or did or it could be wrong. And that's a pretty weird thing to understand that the way I've just seen something go down or the way I've interpreted something could actually be not what happened. And so, I've had to learn that when I get, you know, flooded or triggered or I feel the emotional flood through my body, I actually have to stop and I have to ask someone nearby and run it through them and go, hey, this just happened here. What does this mean? And they go, oh, no, it's not a big deal. That's fine. Let it go. And no matter how often my brain tries to tell me, the sky is falling. You did a terrible thing. I have to just go, no, this person and this person both said it was cool. So, I'm getting better at that. But I've found that to be very helpful with dealing with uh, irrational perceptions. <laughs> and it's kind of fun watching my irrational brain decide what's happening. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. But I'm really grateful that I had my brother to bounce something off this weekend. It was, it was really, really good. Um, I would recommend that. Find someone around that you can trust. and Ask them to have a look at it from their angle. And if they don't seem worried, then you shouldn't be worried. And then just trust their opinion. And so far, that's worked out for me. It's been pretty good. Um, I finally ticked over into Christmas feeling. The most bizarre thing made me feel Christmassy. We had Human Nature on the radio show. I'm doing Nova FM down in Sydney. I'm doing a breakfast radio fill-in show for a couple of weeks down there. We had Human Nature, like a a four-piece boy band um, from the 90s and 2000s, and they now have a residency in Vegas. They're making truckloads of cash. They're very, very successful, and they sang Jingle Bells, Batman's Mells for us on the radio, as you do when doing breakfast radio on FM. It's a lot of fun. But that didn't make me feel Christmassy. Uh, the reindeer antlers, a- reindeer antlers on people's cars, didn't make me feel Christmassy. The the Santa hats on the on the ladies at the the fruit and vegetable store didn't make me feel Christmassy. But on Saturday night at midnight at the classic venue in Melbourne, the Peel Hotel in the front bar, a very special Christmas edition drag show finally made me feel Christmassy. Three and I'm trying to be as kind as I can here, ladies. It looked like mid-50s drag queens who had a passing knowledge of the lyrics of the songs and a, and a vague association with choreography but fabulous costumes, um, did a fantastic set. They did, I don't know, like four songs with seven costume changes like Santa Baby and um, Santa Claus is Coming to Town and All I Want for Christmas and uh, from Mariah Carey. And just being in that front bar of this fantastic gay venue the peel um just surrounded by so much love and positivity and my brother and his boyfriend and their mates and mate i could i could fly stalled reindeer sleighs at this point i'm like the guy in the last act of a of a christmas movie <laughs> it's just it kicked me right into it candy candy bar is the name of the the drag queen um yeah so there it is that's what did it for me a drag show got me into the Christmas spirit, and now I'm just going to ride that all the way to Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Uh, a quick bit about my guest today. He's an amazing young man. I met him when he was in high school. I met him when he was in grade 11, I think. Um, Danny Clayton, he works on Channel V, which is a music television channel here in Australia, among other things. He's a very, very talented man. He's a producer, a director, a writer, a photographer, and a television presenter, um, which means to say that if you see him presenting on television, he's produced and directed and written what he's produced and like the, the guy's a machine, an absolute machine. And he goes into great detail about that's how he's kept his job for nearly 10 years at Channel V. We talk about me leaving Channel V. I haven't really talked about that before, so we talk about that, um, which is interesting. Um, we talk about his incredible trust in the universe and I just love the way he uses Twitter to bring out the best in society and he has some really great theories about it and i i really encourage you to try and put some of his ways of living into practice because he's a he's a bloody remarkable guy and i'm i'm very very happy that he came on the show and i couldn't be more excited about what's in store for him he's going to have a long and fruitful career i can guarantee it i can't wait for you to get to know this guy let me get my big voice over voice on My guest today is Danny Clayton. We talk about the persistence that it took to get and keep a job for over 10 years at Channel V. His words of advice for those wanting a job in television, creating his dream job, the power of trusting completely in the kindness of strangers, and how a random, naked supermodel helped him become a successful DJ.
2: Cute girls come out.
1: No, there's no cute girls today. I'm sorry to say. Um,
2: you know how to do something properly. I'll say that. Tea? Yeah.
1: It comes with the British passport. When you get the British passport, they, you have to prove that you can make tea.
2: At the border? Oh, no, a, no,
1: just at the office. Like getting a green card. I've got an do...
2: Irish passport, so they just they just wave me and I go, ugh. Yeah? And I say, diddly-dee-potatoes, and then they... <laughs>
1: Let it slide. Sitting opposite me is the amazing Danny Clayton. You're looking a bit weary. What did you do last night?
2: I went to a, an art show, if you yeah. will. It was very fun.
1: But what kind of art show are we talking? Are we talking like someone covering themselves in the honey, hanging upside down, and everyone goes,
2: "Yeah." I love performance art Yeah I've got a soft spot for it A and mate of mine did that once Really? That's why I
1: say it, yeah
2: Did it have some deeper theme? Some. Oh, yeah it, it had a message on society Yeah,
1: on a 36 degree, 36 degree Brisbane day too
2: Oh, stinky But um, no, no This was literally just an excuse for arty types to get together uh, Point at pictures on the wall and discuss them in depth And I was amongst those people And oh, No, not really It wasn't the, the rich kind of huh. It was more like the, the upcoming artists But there was lots of free booze Which is Always great And a lot uh, of fashion And a lot of fashion Oh my gosh I'd I'd just sit there And and in my little corner And think Wow I'm probably the least cool person In this room right now Like People with mohawks And monocles It's like Who wears a monocle?
1: I know a guy that wears a monocle (laughs) Of course you do Jeez Yeah yeah. He tries to tell me That it's not an affectation That he only needs a prescription In one eye (laughs) I'm like You're right Yeah. Yeah Yeah That's why you've had the outside Door handles shaved off your SUV And the only way you can get in Is if you reach in the wheel well For a super secret I bet Yeah Does he also have like a pipe And a moustache He doesn't have a pipe But he does have a beard Okay Um, But what separates you From these people Is that You are also in the arts And you are uh, Paid full time To live a job That you've pretty much Created for yourself Yes In the Australian music industry For nearly a decade now Yeah I
2: believe you actually Gave that job to me
1: Did, Did I? you actually let me just I'm going to interrupt you I'm just going to point this out I don't drink anymore so sorry I just also should also point out
2: I was looking at that motorbike back in
1: we're in Bondo Beach and it's a it's coming into a warm summer's day and so the window's open so you're going to hear the sounds of Bondo Beach on a weekend going by I should point out that I haven't had a drink in three and a half years and, and so last three and a half years pretty good Going back from that, some of the memories are a little hazy. Okay. So things you tell me, I may react like I'm hearing it for the first time, so please don't get offended. I, I can't wait to, to retell you <laughs> stories that I've told you previously probably so, countless times before. Did I really give you
2: a job? You actually, I remember I came in to do a shoot as an extra, and I remember with a sly wink and a nod, you said, oh, by the way, Danny, congratulations. And I said to you, "What? what are you talking about? And you're like, oh, you'll see. And literally a day later, Ben Richardson, who's now the GM of Nickelodeon, gave me a call on the phone and he said, hey, Danny, do you want to be a Channel V presenter? To which I replied very coolly, oh, well, yeah, I guess. (laughs) And as soon as I I was off the phone from him, I swore like nothing else. What are you, like 17 at the time? I was 17 and up until then, uh, I think I was freshly 17. So I'd, I'd been working at Channel V... Uh, while I was sixteen as a
1: photographer, freelance yeah. by working, I mean <laughs> volunteering, I should say but this is really important, and this will get us to a lot of what I wanted to talk to you about today. And just for those who don 't know, channel V is a music television station in Australia, and through asia it's kind of it 's quite a powerful music television brand all through asia and it 's still holding on to music television as we know it mm. uh, rather than here's let 's play a dating show or let 's play a f- fifth wheel or Something like that. They still actually play music videos on on Channel V. And um, this is going back nine years now, I think. Yeah. This
2: this would have been 10 years ago. 10 years ago.
1: So you were volunteering. You were everything that we did. (sighs) And you were taking photos of everything we did, if I recall, with a Sony Mavica camera that had an A drive in it. I can't believe you remember that. It had... A, a hard drive a, a floppy disk drive uh, Like a floppy an disk drive An ejectable floppy
2: disk drive And each floppy disk could, can, could hold like six photos Which
1: we went, wow! Yeah, that was so many we digital put photos it, We can put it straight online in half an hour yeah. Once we get it on downloaded
2: Yeah, I, I remember quite fondly I felt it was like a, a weapon, like a gun Yeah And then putting in the floppy disk was like ammunition Like taking out a magazine and at the time, because I was 16 at that stage at Splendor in the Grass, and I was just over the moon about being there.
1: Let me just point out, you were 16 and as tall as you are now. Yes, I was pretty tall, but... What are you, 6'4"? Six, 6'5 six, now. 6'5 now. Yes. So you have grown. Oh, how yeah, have you grown? I've, oh,
2: I've grown in many ways. <laughs> Gee, I mean, <laughs> those early days at Channel V. I mean, mean, like, they were... Number one, I couldn't really... I believe that I had this job, especially because, you know, I was working alongside you guys, which at the time was a very big deal. And it's something I learned, uh, is that it's impossible to work with people that you admire in too much. At the time I'd seen, you know, you, uh, James Matheson, Yemi Steins, you know, Jabba, TJ Mike, all of those guys had been watching on television for, for years. And then all of a sudden, I somehow crossed that line, and I was working next to you all. And I was sixteen, and and you guys must have been what twenty six. Well, I'm tw-
1: thirty nine now. How old are you now?
2: I'm twenty seven. So twenty
1: seven. So oh, that's so. I was twenty seven. So you're
2: about my age now. Yeah. And for me to even kind of dr- think of working with a seventeen-year-old now, I I it'd be too hard. I don't know how you guys did it, but. I remember at the time the aforementioned alcohol yes (laughs) most likely (laughs) but it was just very it's very difficult because I remember coming into work and every time you guys did a story or did did a show I was so in awe at how you did it and it made me so completely on edge because I couldn't think of how I'd ever be able to to host a show like you guys and it was very, very daunting. I remember that
1: just like it was yesterday. I, I just remember a kid that seemed to know... You just seemed to have more confidence than I could have ever imagined having <laughs> when I was 16. And you had more chutzpah, and you, you didn't shy away from telling me off in any way, <laughs> shape or form. Um, if I would, you know... to I was just really impressed with how your own sense of self was developed. And I don't know if that came from always being the tallest person you knew or I don't don't know. You're also very, this is the other thing. They didn't give you the job for a favor. They gave you the job because you were very, very good and you were the best person that we could have possibly wanted for that role at the time, which was we want to hire someone to be a full-time photographer. And, and you, if I recall, submitted a very, very interesting video (laughs) uh, to us. Um, but here 's the thing a lot of people ask me, and like, people always tweet and people always ask like, "How can I get into TV? How can I get into radio?" And I always tell them, "Go find somewhere that'll have you and work for free until yep. you 're annoying
2: yep. I And mean, that is one question that I get all the time and it 's funny because people come up to me all the time and they, they look me in the eye and they get very serious and they say, "Danny, I am going to take your job and I'm like okay And they, 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 they believe it and they say, "Look, I am taking your job, and, and who am I to say that they 're not and I said, well, you very well may take my job and, you know, good on you if you do. But then the follow-up question is, how do I start taking your job from you? And it's, I guess it's like always the same spiel that I tell them. And, and Stop is, going to
1: fancy art openings. <laughs> yeah,
2: don't go to art openings. Uh, it is just be willing to work, be willing to work for free and don't set your sights on being a presenter. Because I feel like if, People go, "I want to be a presenter, I want to be a presenter like there 's a lot of people that want to be presenters, but people don 't want to hire just a presenter. They want to hire a professional, and that could be a person who is a professional on cameras, a professional on art, which i 'm not uh, someone who is in a band who djs and then can de- and then also can MC mm-hmm. and so that 's why I see so many slashies, and I desperately wanted to create and make and film and edit television. And I realised that I was going to get fired from Channel V because every, you don't know this, G, but every day I went into work, I, was, I thought, today is going to be the day they fire me. They're not giving me stories because if someone writes a story, they gave it to you. If someone had a story or a show, they'd give it to James or one of the good presenters and none of the producers were going to touch me. So I realised, well, all right, Danny, you're going to need to make your own stories. You're going to need to shoot your own stories and edit them. Otherwise, they are going to give you the flick. And for about... Eight or nine months, that's all I was doing. Just riding, 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 cutting, 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 and shooting everything that I could. So, yeah, there was just that, that
1: first year was the danger zone. But what you did is that, and this is amazing hearing you saying this, because just this week, there's been people on the phone, because I've been back in Australia for a while. I'm actually leaving like in two days from now. Um, <laughs> like, oh, I'd, love to, uh, I'd love to get a start, I'd love to do this, I'd love to do that. I'm like, well, what are you creating? What are you making? Now, this is the time before YouTube, really. Mm. This is the time when... But you had the, the smarts to go, I need to create a problem. And that's how I transitioned... Actually, how I held on my job in radio. I put so many slashes in my job title that when I went on holiday, they needed, I believe, at least two, possibly three people to cover for me because I did so many things at the station. And when you turned up, you brought... Uh, you had a great eye you could edit you could write you knew what it took to produce and that was as a 16 year old with your own films then when you came and being surrounded by these things so you, then you created a problem inside Channel V of look at this guy he's bringing us all this content we well okay I guess we're going to put it on air do you remember the story that changed it for you do you remember the story where they went oh that's actually really good Danny
2: oh man that's, that's a good question I think that we went up to Splendour in the Grass,
1: which is a, a wintertime festival uh, in Byron Bay, which basically the whole Sydney and Melbourne music industry go on holiday, mm. they go camping, glamping uh, out in the forest, and it's, it's fabulous, Yeah, it's a wonderful festival, it's like a mid-year big day out, it's wonderful.
2: And that was uh, in 2005, and everyone had, everyone kind of had a role, I mean you guys were doing the interviews, and you know, we had camera people and whatnot, and I came up, and they, they said, look, Danny, just take photos, take stills. And I said, look, I'd like, I'd like to shoot my own show. And they said, well, we can give you a camera crew, but you need to write it. You need to, you need to cut it. And I said, fine. And they gave you a crew? They gave me a crew. They gave me a camera guy. And for only for like half a day. Yeah. And they, for half a day, I had a soundie and a camera guy. But wow. then for the rest, I had my own camera. And I went out and I filmed my own content and came back. And I had this gigantic tub of digi beaters, just the old format, of uh, videotape, old, yeah, old, old videotape and not cheap too.
1: They were like fifty
2: bucks. No, inch. black and time coded, man, expensive yeah. stuff. And I went into an old 2000 suite, which is like a tape to tape machine, and that's where you, you know you, you type in the the code, you press a button, and then it gets sucked off one side of the, the tape, and then onto your, your master tape. And I, I went in there, I sat there, and I did that by myself on this old 2000, and I remember handing that in to, to my boss at the time. And what was the story about? It was about Splendor in the Grass. It was, I believe, the tag was like, capture the, <laughs> the music, the mud, and the madness of Splendor in the Grass. And I it re- was. I remember that. Pun- now you do the
1: voiceover. I remember it. Yeah. It,
2: it was a punter's look because we always we see backstage and we see with the artists, but. I felt there was a gap No one was filming in the tents No one was in the mud Because it's a camping punters. festival it was
1: one of the first Kind of really successful Camping Huge festivals ones. in Australia
2: and, this, and it rained And everything was muddy And they called it Splendour in the Mud And yeah I just I remember Staying with, uh, in, in people's tents And uh, I, on one night I got kidnapped And I stayed and <laughs> I stayed, I slept in the tent Of some strangers Who decided to feed me And booze
1: me up <laughs> Were you was, of legal age At this point?
2: Uh, I, yeah, I was 18 at that stage, but when you're freshly 18, you don't know when to stop. (laughs) You know exactly what I'm talking about. I know
1: exactly what you're talking about.
2: Uh, But at, at that stage, you know, you can, you can power through. You don't know the pain of a hangover. My dad once said to me, Danny, you don't know what a hangover is. You won't get a hangover until you're like 27. And then when you're 27, you'll wake up and you'll realize that up until now, you had no idea what anyone was talking about when they mentioned the words hangover. And by God, was he right.
1: <laughs> he was so right. My, my goodness. So when you came back from that uh, trip, and, and what I like about what you've done there is you've, you've identified that I'm going to have to create more. I can't just be passive about this. I have to be active. Mm. And since then, have you always been on the front foot about, about keeping your momentum up?
2: I I mean, I'm always really invested in everything I do. I mean, just this week, you know, eight stories I've written, produced, um, and directed and edited, and that's, like, a lot of work. And every now and then I ask, I ask myself, like, why, why am I doing this? You know, I can just as easily just let someone else write and let someone else direct and, and take control, but... I think it's just about being bored. I think I, think I, I love the work. And even worse is I'm a I'm total bitch about it. As in, I'll, I'll be in the middle of eight stories and you know I'll bitch and whine. I'm like, oh, I'm under so much pressure and blah, blah, blah. But it's all just hot air. Because at the same time, if everyone took that work away from me and said, oh, it's all right, you just do what you're told, I would despise it so yeah I think that it's it is about staying on that front foot and creating the, the work for yourself do you Nothing get do you, do you
1: get a th- I mean even doing this podcast I I get such a thrill out of just even just creating the content and being in the creation space and being in the, the somewhat of a flow state of a really solid interview there's it, something almost a high about it that mm. I, can, I can actually describe a, 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 like what I've completed and edited or, or uploaded something or or, or or when I'm putting a show format together, when I've got my whiteboard out and everything just clicks, mm. there's a, there's an almost drug-like euphoria that comes across you. Does that have anything to do with yes, it? Yes, uh, I'd say so. I
2: mean, I think you and I are quite similar in many respects. I think that idle hands uh, do the devil's work for us <laughs> where we, we'd get way too bored, but I, I find that if I'm in the middle of something that's a passion project, that, yeah, you're right. I mean, I do feel like a buzz... It's like, some, it's like I've had six coffees at once And, that, and everything just starts connecting in my head I'll, I'll have a show or a story like Formulate inside my brain Before I've even started filming I'll even know what song I'm going to use It's, right. it's kind of one of those things In those, those first few seconds When you throw a song down on a timeline And then you put those, that vision to match it I, can, I feel this rush. And then I'll watch that five, six seconds over and over again. I'll watch six seconds of footage maybe 20 times before I move on. It's very indulgent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so you and I have a similar thing in that we both kind of got paid to learn how to do what we do. Definitely. Uh, I, I in radio and then in television and, and you in television. So, and I remember being on a parallel path to my mates at university. What were your mates at uni thinking of you by the time when you were like 18 19 and they were like stuck into university
2: i have been very fortunate to have very very
1: critical friends
2: uh friends who are very very honest and very kind of direct and they, you know they're all doing their thing they're, some of them are going into production some of them are studying psychology and whatnot but if i would tell them about my day they'd literally pull me up and be like dude you can get away with saying this to us but if you say this at a party or something, people are going to think you're a dick. I'm like, but it's true. Like, I, I did just talk to Slipknot today, and it's like, yeah, but you can tell us that, but when you, if you say this, it's, it sounds like gloating. I'm like, oh, I'm not, though. It's just what I did. And I think that my friends have been very, very important in kind of pulling, pulling me down.
1: I, here's the thing, though, and, and this is part of the thing that really crystallises because I've, I've lived out of the country now. I've lived out of Australia for uh, coming on four years. I had to learn when I was over because I did exactly that when people asked me what I did for a living. Uh, I, I always say I'm an editor. I was working. I work in television. Yeah, that's, that's what I would say. And I remember when I was being over there for like it took me a good year and a half to actually not mumble when I said oh, host Australian mm. Because I had, it had been ingrained in me that as Australians, we're not allowed to be proud about what we do for a living, and I I, I, I have no secrets and I'm not shy about talking about this. I thank you. I think. We could probably do without it, you know, honestly, as a culture. And I remember the first time I said it, um, uh, I host Australian Idol. You what? Hey, everybody, this guy over here, down mm. in Australia. And people were like, fuck yeah, this house <laughs> party. And I remember someone, we were talking about something. I'd just done a campaign for a, a, a universal DVD. There it was cardboard cutouts of me in, a, in, in stores. And I, you know, got paid this, a fair chunk of money for it I was like That's worth it I'll take that But I was someone I don't know In an Australian way I was kind of like a bit oh, I just don't want to talk I just want to big it up That I got paid this money To do this thing That I chose some videos And they're going to go With the campaign I really Was really proud of it and I was really happy To be involved with it I was really grateful to do it But when I go over to America And I say Oh and I did this thing For Universal DVD marketing And I'm in a Cardboard cutout to me And so I was Really? That's amazing mm. That's so cool <laughs> You got paid for that? Fuck yeah
0: Oh, man. I was like,
1: wow, this, it's a culture that celebrates success and celebrates potential mm. versus you're not allowed to talk about what you did today because you have to stay in your lane, yeah.
2: buddy. I mean, let's face it. What do they do to tall poppies in Australia? Yeah. If you can bleep me, they cut their fucking heads off. <laughs> That's what they do. I don't
1: know. I, and this is you know, a large thing about what I, I talked to a lot of people about this on this show. I think we can do without it. We can really... I was thinking rather than say, good on you, say, good on you. mm it's, I mean, it's it's a, it's a simple attitude shift. I'm surrounded by people with
2: egos and We're in the entertainment industry, in really? The, <laughs> in the entertainment industry, I'm surrounded by people with egos and I think that there is, you know, very there there is that line between someone who is just an arrogant wanker and then a person who just knows what they do. It's like yeah. I know I know my skills, I know what I'm capable of doing, and this is my job. And like, I shouldn't be ashamed of that. And it's like, you know, because I I meet talented musicians, and like, dude, I I really do think I'm a great musician. And when they kind of put it out on the line like that, it's something I'm like, yeah, I agree. You know, you're not being an arrogant dick.
1: You're just saying that you're. There's a a difference between name dropping and telling someone what you did today. Yeah. Uh, That's it. Definitely. There's a difference between trying to gain uh, clout or collateral from saying, I was with this person today versus mm. uh, at work today. This is what I did. Mm. Like, well, I got to hang out with blah blah. Is different to I had a really interesting interview with blah mm. blah. Yeah. Y- you know what I'm saying.
2: But I guess like the, for me that is like such an interesting part of you know who I am. I believe, I truly believe that when it comes to that kind of kind of entertainment, kind of cockiness, uh, I've had a pretty interesting kind of pretty interesting run. Because when I was the new Channel V guy, people hated me. And I remember Ben Richardson once again, he used to say, look, don't go on the internet, don't go onto the Channel V boards because people were there going, this guy is a dick. Who's this new kid that's come in with the professionals? Get rid of him. And all that negativity was was like way too much for, you know, fresh presenter, 17-year-old. And I I remember reading it and going, oh, wow. I'm like, look, I can't take that seriously. But then at the same time, if... You're not going to take that negative stuff seriously. You can't take all the the positive stuff seriously either because your head will explode. and, And people, if you're on television, no matter what you do, if you're some extra, if you're on Big Brother, people will both love and despise you for absolutely no reason. And if you are in that situation, you can't take Either of those, if you put weight on the love, if you go, oh, wow, these people really do love me. It's like, no, they don't know you. They, they like the image you portray. But if you're going to take that seriously, then when someone says, I want you to die, stinkhead, you're a tool bag, you have to go, oh, well, I'm also a tool bag and I need to take that seriously. And it's too much to take on. So for me, I just ignore all of it. <laughs> And I know who I am, and I'm happy who I am. That's oh, it. Oh, man,
1: I wish I had your clarity. <laughs> I wish I had your clarity when I was at, when I was at V, because uh, instead of what you just described, I used, uh, I used beer. Beer. Uh, <laughs> <dear.
2: You laughs>
1: and what I, also, what I also love is that you just described that very eloquently as if you were 11. <laughs> Stinkhead. <laughs> Toolbag. That's really great. It's proper kids swearing. I was uh, playing, you know, with... Uh, uh, so I've, still, I've got a really great relationship with my ex-girlfriend, Simone. She's wonderful. She's got three beautiful kids. And I was playing Uno with her uh, her eldest daughter the other day. Oh, I saw on Instagram. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm well aware. And whenever she picked up a card, she couldn't put it down. She would say, chicken feathers. <laughs> that was her swear word. And I was like... That's a good one. It's got a good amount of syllables. Mm. There's some really chunky consonants you can get stuck into. Mm. And you can really spit it out and chew on it if you like, mm. and it doesn't offend anyone. It's
2: chicken feathers. Oh, is it chicken feathers? Chicken feathers. Oh, I do like that. It's one, the new too. motherfucker. Yeah. Chicken feathers. I mean, kids are getting creative when they're online these days with their insults. Well, she's eight, but <laughs> avoiding the internet. She'll learn some new ones when she gets online.
1: Oh, as soon as she gets onto YouTube, you know. Oh you're just like, my goodness! My goodness. So, I I left Channel V. Uh, I think 2006, Mm. I think that was when I left Channel V, Uh, the station moved from this crazy, amazing wharf on the Sydney Harbour up into the suburbs and um, it was a very very weird time in my life Uh, and then what happened? Because I, 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 I then, honestly, this is what happens. I then just didn't watch music television for about a year. Yeah. I just then totally detached. I, what was the workplace like? What was it? What it, happened? Because I know a lot of people, like, a lot of people left, were leaving because we were moving offices and it was quite a schlep to get out to where we were going and all that. We were at a transitional phase. And I was just, honestly, I was just kind of afraid of new people. And I was like, I don't know who anybody is. I'm afraid of driving up to this new place. Oh, it's kind of easier if I just don't go to that place anymore. <laughs>
2: That was the changing of the guard, yeah everyone at channel v the the crew the 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 ones that we had worked with for for me it was like a a, a little while for a few years, but they'd all left, mm-hmm. and it was just a mass exodus and all of a sudden there's this fresh new team, and you know the the big the big guns uh you know James and yourself kind of were, were out always doing things you, you you'd left and so it was kind of my chance to really sink my teeth into things. Mm. But the only problem is that at this stage, because it was such a fresh team, it was almost like a rudderless ship. And, you know, the, the shows that we were doing were, were a little bit of a mess for a while, but we just, it just found its passion once again. And it, we started focusing on live television shows and live music events. And, and that was where we really started, you know, kicking goals again. Yeah. That show, What You Want, was still on air out at North Ride. And I remember doing shows with my Jupiter, Yumi Steins, uh, doing with Matheson. And we just had a really, really good time with very little direction. <laughs> we could put whatever we wanted on TV. And I think that was really before the corporate games kind of started uh, coming together, before we had to sell products and, you know... Oh, we were m-
1: selling products before then, don't, but, don't but you awfully. worry. awfully. Terribly, yeah. I
2: remember some awful sales.
1: It was, yeah, it, made, it gave me that. My experience there gave me a passion for well-executed integration. You know, I've mm. always got a thi- I've got a thing for well-executed integration, and I've got a thing for poorly executed integration. And I, I, choose well-executed integration.
2: Uh, you got you got a clap for uh, Mr. Matheson for his incredible product integration with uh, tampons on the Aria red carpet. Where he dropped the line Ladies Do you have a touch Of the red carpets Well stay free With <laughs> <laughs> Carefree Unbelievable Classic but Matheson very Very edgy this is, the man the that is,
1: this is the man That is now Waking Australia up In the mornings yeah. As their anchor Of the Channel 10 Massive network Breakfast television show God bless him He's unreal mm. He's unreal But I guess what was also Really interesting is that I started on Channel V When the show was called By Demand It was a video request show Um Yumi then uh, helped us. She was spearheaded changing the name to What You Want. Mm. And you were at the helm of it when basically, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but 720p YouTube and 1080p YouTube videos were now fairly almost instantaneous to download. Why do you want to call up the TV and request your favorite video anymore? What was the... How did you notice the drop-off? How did you know that a request show was kind of... Losing touch
2: I think that in I mean I was one of those guys That used to wake up early morning To watch Rage and it's, I had a, I mean, it's,
1: a, it's a TV show in, in Australia On Saturday morning Saturday morning music videos Often quite eclectically programmed Yes And brought or, a lot of new music to
2: Australia a Government funded mm. So uh, Because They didn't have to worry about money Or ratings or whatever They mm. would just put music on And, and the good music and Well <laughs> Depends on who <laughs> arguably, you ask. Because
1: SBS Pop Asia is great music for some people, mm, which is, I highly recommend, by the way. If you've never watched SBS Pop Asia, it's like the best two hours of television on Australia. It's, get into
2: it. <laughs> oh, it's so amazing.
1: <laughs> well, those music videos are so brilliant, especially the K-pop ones.
2: Just... Uh, I Don't even start me on K-pop. Oh, it's amazing. It is amazing. Anyway. So they had this show, TV Hits, which was another free-to-air music clip show, and then they had Rage, and I used to wake up in the morning with a VHS ready to go, my thumb over the record button, and I used to cause worship that, because that's where I got my music clips. Mm-hmm. And once it played once, I couldn't watch it again. I'd have to wait till the next weekend. And Channel V was like that home of instantaneous requests. People could ring in and say, I want to see Blink-182, What's My Age Again? And we'd play it. But with the YouTube revolution, people didn't need music TV, but it was still a place to share your passion. And I found that instead of people coming in just to request, they... Came to us to share and to say, "Look, I want to play this song, but I want everyone else to watch it with me." And they wanted to get their their name on TV. They wanted to talk about that time their dog crapped in their friend's bed or whatever to share the stories. And it became all about sharing and getting your mug on TV. Right? And yeah, things changed. I mean, YouTube really, really was a, a game changer. And for us, we needed to think about where we were going to go and. For us, we could deliver live interviews, live uh, performances. So we became the live music channel where you'd come to get raw, uncensored, and to be honest, quite rude, crude, and out-of-control interviews mm. because once you're on live TV, those artists can say just about anything, and they usually do. They usually did, yeah. So that's where our success was. But then... Instead of such regular viewing It was all about the, the big tent pole event So the big, big day out performance coverage Where we'd have camera on every stage yeah. And of course big day out being the biggest festival in Australia
1: yeah.
2: And it was just about delivering
1: that content And doing it quickly, doing it fast And doing it well But was it sad when this when what you want ended? I mean I think I came in for the last episode I was there for the last episode It was sad I mean... For for me, it was
2: incredibly sad. Dad. Even more bizarre was I was anchoring that show, and I was anchoring that show, and I had everyone there. I mean, you were there. It was the all star return. The all star return. You know, yeah. Yumi was there. James was there. And that was...
1: day, I've got photos of backstage. That day is the day that Obama. Uh, hang on. Won the election Yes It was the day that Obama won And we were watching the live coverage Of the, this, the, the uh, electoral college votes coming in In yep. the green room It was me and Yumi and James and Jade Who's a very, very fabulous uh, TV producer Who produced a lot of um, The Silver Chair Across the Great Divide Backstage tour. She's a, like a, a machine A five foot zero machine with a, with a Sony FD1 in her hand That'll get any interview out of any band That you'll ever imagine It was a full-on day that day. I
2: remember we'd just figured out that he'd won it. They hadn't finished counting, but it was it was locked. It was locked in, and so there we were for this final day. And I was almost the the compare. I was the 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 host, and interviewing the people that taught me how to host. Wow, which was very very bizarre. But for me, it was a, a, a full circle, and you know the people that brought me into this world, I was kind of sending them out on this last show. <laughs>
1: it's okay. We're all, we're all adults. We all figured it out. Yeah. We figured out how to do it. Um, so what happens when, like, so that, that request show is, I have got it's like the Today Show or the Good Morning America or the, you know, the Kyle and Jackie O, it's, this, it's the cornerstone of your television programming. What do you replace it with? What did they replace it with? Well, for
2: us, it was all about, you know, keeping current. And we couldn't really replace a show like that and for a long time we didn't know what to do all we could do was shoot a lot of interviews and make sure that the channel was constantly full of exclusives and people would come to us to get that exclusive
1: stuff you can't get on YouTube
2: well well yeah I mean I guess we'd I'd always try to do an interview from a different angle try to get them involved we'd you know play basketball with an artist or you know do these kind of behind the scenes look at a tour but we we couldn't replace that show and we realized we had to change the game completely and it sprouted a whole bunch of different shows Mm -hmm. um some of the shows that i you know took on directly and drove as a series um something like hanging with uh which is pretty much just me a camera and a band and um then I'd get back and jump on my laptop and just quickly get it out. Uh, but then something like Before 30 came along, which was the next generation of Channel V, really, which was a uh, youth travel show. And this it's called Before 30 because it's all the things you should definitely try before you turn 30.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
2: 30. Now, as a presenter, how could you not want to work on a show like that?
1: Now, hang on, did you come up with a show? No,
2: this is this came up. By a few different people kind of came together with this. I mean, Jane Gazo, she's another presenter that was on Channel V who has moved on to Max. Um, people might know her from uh, working on ABC's Recovery. Mm. And she was like going working on Triple J for a long time. Triple J. She was even did some stuff at the BBC in London. And she wanted to do a kind of like a venue, music venue show or festival show. Mm-hmm. And it it happened. And there I was, you know, 25, 24, going around the world to to Scotland, you know, all through London. I went to Ibiza and Paris to, to do these festivals. And it was just out of control. And, you know, I, I'd often on these trips stop and pause and say this exact sentence to myself just, just for fun. And that was, Danny, this is your job. <laughs> and every trip, I'd make sure I said that at least three or four times. Just pause, just look around. You know, when I was surfing in Ossiga in the south of France or when I was in a nightclub that was filling up with water, with naked girls surrounding me, whipping me with their bikinis, I'd pause and I'd say, "This is your job. Like, just gotta enjoy it while it lasts."
1: And the, I guess the thing that people might be thinking is that when you're doing that kind of thing, uh, that's it. You're you've lit the fuse. The dynamite's going to go off. You're just going to go burko. But you won't have a job if you don't come back with a usable footage and usable story. And you can't make those two things if you smashed off your face. Mm. Well, I think you can do both, Andrew. (laughs) uh, You'll find that uh,
2: maybe one could affect the other, but uh, it's amazing how much you can drink and not die and then still perform the next day. I've done some... How old are you? 27 now. Yeah, right. Just wait a little while, buddy. (laughs)
1: Just wait. You just wait. Because here's the thing, though. I remember, and I... Certainly, I remember backstage at um, Aria Rewards and, and Big Day Outs and stuff like that. It was just all part of it. It just kind of all, kind of the lines got very blurry between work and party. Mm. And it was just all part of soaking up the vibe. I, 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 this is the, oh, what yeah. I told myself. But, um, you know, eventually, eventually it, it, it kind of got in the way. Uh, it's what I drink anymore. But um, yeah, I definitely. But look, I know what you're talking about, mate. I, well, I absolutely know what you're talking about. I believe one,
2: there was one year at the Aria's When I was a little bit younger, I think I was 24, 25. Uh, No, probably 23. And I went out to the Aries and my boss was there. My boss was drinking and my boss was on the D floor having a dance. So I just stuck, you know, with them and we drank, we were frivolous. And all of a sudden the the sun was up. I'm like, well, I've got a live TV show to do in two hours. I'm in Homebush. Uh, oh, i just stay one more round. It only takes an hour to get to the studio So I left the ARIA after party
1: This is our Grammys this is, It's a big music industry party oh, night Oh
2: yeah And there I, there I was on the set of our show Coming straight from this huge award ceremony I was in a suit I had my tie kind of half pulled off I had wine spilt on my shirt I had a, a strong coffee shook it off and I would love to tell you something like I'd vomited or I'd bit, fell asleep, but it was probably one of the best shows I'd ever done. I was so excited and I had all these stories and only after when I'd finished is when I hit that wall. But I, youth is a, an incredible thing. <laughs> I, d- I don't think I could d- get away with that now. But yeah, right. I, I would have been 23, I, I, I think.
1: Damn. So... Now you're engaged in uh, From what I can gather is a, is a very interesting Saturday morning TV show Yes Which, which is called The Riff
2: uh, Which is now Six days a week So Damn In the mornings? Uh, yes In the mornings oh, oh, So we We shoot it During the morning Very early in the morning And then it goes to air In the afternoon So Everything All the stories And the segments And the pieces That we edit together um, Are very very fresh Uh the non live element on on a weekday gives us room to 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 really kind of edit the stories and and make bring in sources and play footage and really have fun um and then of course the it, but it goes straight to air and our editors are super fast and brilliant, and our interviews you know to air live performances it it's a great show to work on but mind mind you it does take its toll on. Every aspect of my life
1: That's a lot of work, man Six days a week Is it oh, yeah. an hour show? Uh, yes Wow And But which one's the live one? So Saturday mornings
2: So this morning from 10.30 to uh, 11 That's It goes for 30 minutes uh, We go 100% live We we swear, we curse We, uh. we have arguments And it all goes straight to air Do errors. you take callers? You, no callers uh, But we, we have Debates and we just have fun. Yeah. If, if we have anything that we find out that morning, we throw it in and we we, just, we have great fun.
1: It's very Harry, I, like I love that kind of television. I was working on a, on a on a music channel for a little while in the states called Access TV. It was very similar to what we were doing at Channel V. It was absolutely live, coast to coast, and it was the kind of show that we would turn up first meetings at eight thirty or eight forty five, and at seven p.m. Oh no because uh, we went to West Coast, East Coast. So at 4 p.m., we're live. So t- you turn up at 8.45 with, without, with nothing, an empty board. <laughs> By one or two, you've got an hour of content. You've and got then, to fill that board and too. And you've got to go. Yeah. And, it, and then we're live because live TV waits for no man. When that clock counts down, the camera goes on because you've got to fill that hour of television. And there's nothing quite like that, that thrill that of here comes the clock we've got to go we've got to go live
2: it's that fire that sits in your belly yeah. where if you think i don't know why i have this these thoughts but i'll sit there and i'll go what if i didn't do anything for the next hour you know this is where we're getting like, content from what if i just sit here and then we you know like we, we, we go live you know what will happen it's like i'll just fluff <laughs> but it's you know it's always that you know that looming airtime mm. Which I find so exciting. That's why I love live TV, and
1: I love it. Yeah,
2: it, it's irreplaceable for There's me. There's
1: nothing like it. So, who's the next you? Have you have you seen him? Have you met him? No,
2: <laughs> I'm trying to find a uh, trying to find a girl presenter. Uh, that uh, at the moment we've got uh, the three boys and uh, the one girl. So, trying to find another girl. Uh, but at, uh, the girl that we've got, she's very into her like, her very specific. Uh, into fashion, I'm definitely not into fashion. Uh, I've never been good at fashion. It's not one of my f- strong points. But you know, she has very specific likes, and it's the polar opposite of the things I love. Like she Great. hates, she hates dance music. And it, she hates your, your, your techno and your EDM. She doesn't like rock, so she hates rock and she hates dance. She likes pop music, is that a thing? She loves Hip-hop? pop music, yeah. and she loves R and B. Unreal and perfect. So that's her her thing. But it's like, I want to find a girl that loves. That her dance music And loves her rock music And so Why
1: do you need someone That has the same voice as you? Oh but, but just, just just to
2: see how it goes Okay Just to to, to have someone to, to talk with But At the moment mm-hmm. I am trying to find A, a new uh, A new girl presenter For Channel V Yeah But um, You know it's, it's It's been It's been fun The team that we've got now Is great It is where everyone's so different which is the reason why we work
1: it makes great tv it does you've got to have a different opinion uh, you don't want four similar voices talking around otherwise it's like like after those espn when, when the game's finished you're like you're all just agreeing it's really boring yeah. can someone disagree Can someone say john always terrible just yeah. for once
2: full credit to the boys uh if i hear that phrase used in a football scenario one more time i am gonna lose it oh full credit Full credit to the lads. But Uh, it's
1: just... Yeah.
2: I mean, that's why we had this show. It's called The Riff for a reason because there's supposed to be a riff right between us and that we're just supposed to... A rifter, I should say. And uh, yeah, it's all about having explosive arguments which do happen on air. (laughs) Excellent. It's the best place for
1: them. So you you briefly mentioned it and I was very happy to see... uh, When was the last time I was... I don't know. I went to the Beach Road Hotel for something. I for remember. my
2: twenty-first birthday.
1: No, that was in the that was somewhere in Bondi Junction. The 21st. Fringe, sorry. Yeah. So when I was at the I was at the Beach Road Hotel in Bondi Beach, which is a classic pub, absolutely classic pub. And there's this massive double staircase to get in and out of it. And I see your name in like three foot high letters. Yeah. DJ Danny Clayton. Yeah. I was like holy shit, he's DJing. Mm. How did that? I remember seeing photos of you. Early on, how's that been for you, Moving, transitioning into being a DJ? I
2: love DJing, and it all happened from one gigantic lie. Uh, a promoter asked me, oh, hey, you're, you're a DJ, aren't you? And I think that he mistook VJ, uh, video jockey for disc jockey. So he said, oh, you're a DJ? I'm like, uh, yes. He's like, look, I have this huge party. Uh, would you be willing to play it for me at this club? And I said, of course, yeah, <laughs> oh, of course, I can DJ, anyone can DJ. And so I agreed and he set the date and I had a week. And I'm like, look, Danny, just maybe you should just check out some decks. Yeah, just, just see if you can DJ. So uh, I went to Ruby Rose's house, another, uh, an MTV uh, she crossed Presenter. the road. He's yeah, cross,
1: crossed the road. Crossing networks to go, and, go yeah. and, and cross-pollinate. And she had some decks and I chucked some CDs. Did she teach you how to do it? No. You figured out how to... No, no, just, just get, just, you have described two things in your career that are very, very important. One, work for free yeah. really, really hard until you create such a problem that they go, okay, we'll just pay you. And two, you don't always have to know everything that people ask you to do. Just say yes, you'll figure it out. Even if you're terrible... You've given it a shot and exactly the same thing Happened to me mm. Exactly I got asked to DJ something Or I said Yeah I can DJ And I went and some DJed Some after parties And it started to pick up A little bit When I was just, just Towards when I was Leaving ending, leaving Australia On my bigger gigs I'd walk across the street To So DJ Goodwill Lives right over there that's Oh his, that's, I, I'm very fond of that guy That's his He's... house right there <laughs> And I would go to him And say Hey man I need to I need to do this party And I'm wondering If you can help me get Oh you want me to give you Some songs You want me to give you A playlist Is that that okay? Yeah. So he gave me like he gave me like forty five minutes worth of music and he saved my ass. Save my ass. That was very different to how it worked out for me. Yeah. How did that party
2: go? Well, that's the thing. It's like I went to Ruby's house. I got behind her decks. I put in some CDs. I pressed play. I realized at that point in time I knew absolutely nothing about decks or DJing. So I turned around. her and I said, look, hey, could I buy these? She sold me her decks. On the day? On that day. So I got the decks, I boxed them up, I left. On a side note, Catherine McNeil was naked in her house, which was just a, Who's a sign. Who's Catherine McNeil? Her Catherine, girlfriend? Catherine McNeil was her girlfriend at the time, okay. who is uh, a uh, Victoria's Secret model. or No, she's just a next level internationally and, famous and model. And she's just naked and in her just house. And she's just naked in the house. So I, I realized at that point in time that it was a sign that this was a good thing I was doing. <laughs> you know, that the, the heavens opened up and a sunshine went, came into Danny the room Clayton, with me. if
1: you DJ naked Victoria's Secret <laughs> models will appear out of nowhere.
2: And, yeah. And, and they did. I, I took the decks home and I sat down and I just pressed buttons for hours and yeah. until I figured, oh, this is how it works. And after practicing for th- th- four nights, there I got up on, on the decks. How long was the set that you had to and play And it was an hour set. And okay. I, I played, songs. and I played for Girl Thing, which is a very large lesbian night. And since then, uh, or oh, from that gig, I had like a, a mini residency where I'd come back every girls' night and play for all the the, the lesbians. And you know it
1: was the Ruby Rose, Catherine McNeil. It was a sign. That's it. But
2: that's it. it this is why I think it worked out for me in the DJ world and. But that, that was years ago. But ever so since. So, what songs
1: were making uh, make the girl thing dance?
2: Uh, the, there's always one, and and that is uh, "One More Time" by Daft Punk. Yeah. Every uh, time. Robin S. You got to show me love, and that was before um, Jason Drullo got his grubby little fingers on it and turned it into a pop song. Um, but yeah, I think that there was uh, just uh, Annie, a lot of Annie, uh, and a lot, a lot of the modular kind of music. Yeah. yeah. You've, modular, the label. Yeah, I so Vanshee, Wolfmother...
1: I once DJed in a nightclub. Someone asked me, the first time I ever DJed an actual DJ set, uh, I plugged my iPod into a, a, the decks at a nightclub <laughs> and I was playing only music out of my iPod and because there's no crossfade, this is on an old iPod, one with a hard drive in it, because there's no crossfade, I had to get on the mic... And, and do the segues Hey everyone oh how you doing no. This is really good Here's another one for you And like cue it with my f- little finger oh. And You said you were playing A lot of modular I was like What's going to work Anything the Neptunes has produced And so I just played Just every Khalees, uh You know uh, uh, N.E.R.D uh, Neptunes records Like anything I just played anything Pharrell uh, Snoop Dogg um, Oh, what was that? Old Dirty Bastard. Like, whatever Neptunes had done, I yeah. played it. I filled an hour with it. it dance floor went crazy. Yeah. It was awesome. And then I played some Iron Maiden, and it was a lot of fun. Of course Iron Maiden <laughs> went off, I bet. You it had to sink some metal. It blew my mind. Yeah. People loved it. People went nuts for the number of the beast.
2: I've got a... Oh, ran right to the Hills, it was. I've got a Rihanna um, Iron Maiden mashup, I think, that you'd really, of really like. Uh, we, after the, after this, I'll, I'll give There's it There's some to Closet
1: you. Maiden fans. So, how's it going? Now, I'm guessing you've... Do you still have those decks, the Ruby Rose? Pioneers. I do actually. They're the so
2: outdated. Uh, yeah, but you know they still connect up to a little Serato setup. But they work.
1: Uh, I saw you DJ on a laptop now? Uh, no,
2: I I do the a record box thing. It's so easy with turn, crates you know, or CDs. Just two USBs. You turn up. And oh, right. USB stick straight into the into the CDJs and boom, you got your playlists. Everything's organised. Yeah. It's almost too easy. The
1: only thing it doesn't do is mix for you. And the, here's the thing: I went at a nightclub in Las Vegas called Surrender. Is one of the really really big ones out is there. Is that a gay bar? Or no, no, no. It's huge. It's like up there with um, Marquee, like the Las Vegas Marquee, not the Sydney Marquee. Like the we spent fifteen million dollars on our <laughs> on our production. That's why we will charge eighteen dollars for a vodka. They will do over a million dollars over the bar alone. (laughs) They will clear a million dollars over the bar on a a weekend night. Ridiculous. No wonder the DJ gets a hundred grand. It's like, we'll give you 10%. If you're bringing a million cash over the bar, it's not to mention the door. Mm. Dude. Anyway. And so I was in Surrender, which is an equally huge club. That's in the Mirage. I know, the uh, Encore. And... I can't remember the name of this DJ. I really should know. But he walks out. I was like, yeah. And he stood there, folded his arms. And his roadie ran out and put one USB stick in one Pioneer CDJ and put one USB stick in the other one and loaded them up for him and then Rody ran off and then he stood up and he then, he, only then did he approach the decks. <laughs> like, he, he didn't even load his own USBs. So no. I remember when seeing Run DMC and Jam Master J rest his, rest his soul, Jam Master J, whenever it came to turn change records, he'd just stand back from the decks and he had a guy <laughs> load the decks and queue them up for him. He's like... I don't keep my own records anymore man I don't mm. have someone else keep my records for me Yeah but that would still look
2: so much more impressive Have someone pull out the vinyl Than someone put in a USB I,
1: mean, I don't think people care anymore honestly They don't I, I, try and, I remember I wanted to DJ at a, in a bar Because um, when I DJed sets I DJed a lot of kind of uh, Low vibe Cali kind of Head nod hip hop And mm. that or disco Like pure great kind of disco funk and I remember trying to tell this guy, that no, I just play a lot of, you know, a lot of Brothers Johnson, a lot of, you know, George Duke and, you know, um, oh, what's his bloody name? I can't even remember now. It's in my mind. He's a, I was a vibraphone player. And he says, all right, so you play, you play vinyl? I said, no, no, man, I play, uh, at the time I had a tractor set up. I was playing a lot. He goes, no, no, man, no, no, I only, I only employ people to play vinyl. Honestly, I don't think, punters care I really don't think punters care they just want to dance
2: and that's sad because I've seen some of the biggest uh, DJ producer acts in the world sit there and do nothing and they've been playing a festival and I've watched them because obviously with now a very very growing passion in me that wants to be a great DJ I'll, I'll go watch the professionals and they will have everything just set out and ready to go and it is so disheartening watching someone that's clearly paid a $200,000 to play a festival And just sit there And press play And then fist pump And hit the
1: the flange (laughs) do a filter here and there But that's been going on for years I remember even back Like late Early 90s When I first started in nightclubs um, When I was a lighting guy And I was working in nightclubs This is like early rave scene in, In Brisbane where I lived I remember even then, DJs and nightclubs, I was asking about, wow, did you just see that great dance party at the other night at the the Eka Showgrounds? There was like 10,000 people there and the headliner was like, yeah, you know what he does though? His writer specifies a DAT machine, which is an old type of digital digital audio tape. It's a a gone format. But he would just slip in a DAT tape of a 90-minute mix, hit play and mime. So Mm. it's been going on for a long time. It's been going on for a long, 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 long time. But here's the thing, man. If you get paid 200 grand... People are paying a fairly massive ticket price to see you And they're expecting a certain level of performance They're expecting to get the thing they see in the YouTube video They're expecting to see that And honestly, a band will go out and play exactly the same set every night They will play the same show with the same order of songs With the same lighting cues, the same guitar changes I move over here and we rock together at this point what's? I would ask you, what's the difference? I'd say the element of risk
2: and I say that unless there's that danger, I don't see what the point is. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, I think that f- people can feel the danger. People can feel that the risk that something can go wrong. I mean, that's why we, we go to the car races to yeah, see right. the crash. We go to the boxing match to see someone fail. And it's always that element of what could happen. And if I watch a DJ, I want to see someone try something different. I mean... But do you really
1: think punters care? Like, honestly, do you really think punters care? You're slaving your balls off at a, Mm. a, you know, you're selling mobile phones six days a week, ten hours a day. You're saved up for this, you know, this dance party ticket. You're going along with your mates. You're sorted for reason whiz. You're you're there. You've loaded up. You've got in the gates. The DJ plays. He's playing. You don't care if he's crossfaded it right there and there or he's crossfaded it ten days ago in his hotel room. The song is there You're there with your mates You're hitting the high Why do you care? I guess the real question is Like
2: As the DJ Where is the fun in that? Where is the fun of just miming a set? I mean I will make a a mistake Be it A large one Or you know So tiny that no one will notice But I'll make a a problem uh, For myself Make a mistake In every set that I play Even if it's just Oh that one's a little bit out of time We'll catch up And fix it And for me, that's the whole point. Mm. That that fun and I'll try something that I've never tried before to see if it works. And if it works, I get filled with this incredible endorphin rush. Right. Right. The last gig I played at the snow, Kelly from Block Party, had just finished playing. And then after he'd finished playing, everyone wanted that last stage. And my stage was one the last stage that was open so everyone poured into this area so you're doing a festival at the so snow I was doing a festival at the
1: snow, which in Australia we actually do have snow in Australia <laughs> Occasionally, It is. Yeah. It is a, it, I guess it's the equivalent to the little hill that goes down to the rocky car park in any North American ski resort and people pay about 110 bucks for a lift ticket, but and they it's, smile it's, about it too, Yeah, and it's, it's a six hours drive from anywhere, And so when you're there people tend to party quite hard because you're not going anywhere at the end mm. of the day, you can get back to your chalet pretty easily, so there's often a big festival, so you're playing this massive festival to a bunch of people that have nowhere to go. Yeah. And it's what, one in the morning? It's one in, in the morning and
2: everyone has just left Kelly. The band that was playing before me was a, an electro experimental band and people like, well, I don't, we don't know this. This is weird. So the moment that I got
1: on these decks... Yeah, put your, ring I, modular, put your ring modulator away, buddy. We're here to dance.
2: Exactly. So I had this room, this entire room, and no matter what I played, I mm. knew that it would make everyone go nuts. Yeah. So... I've got this, like this huge weight on my shoulders. What song do I play? Uh, Cause they're going to go crazy for anything. They just want a song they know. Hmm. So I landed on of all the songs in the world. I landed on Lion King (laughs) circle of life. Fuck yeah. Yeah. People People rush the stage. Like I have never seen anyone rush the stage and People were fist pumping, screaming, just absolutely going nuts. And then, in the middle of this, just this chaos, I made this loop. And, like, I, I didn't had this, I hadn't not rehearsed this. This is a And then went into uh, We Are Your Friends.
1: Uh, Justice versus Simeon.
2: That's the one. And then, so. There's this one side of the crowd That's singing We Are Your friends And then the other side of the room That's going Sanya," <laughs> And it was just this Out of control Like party And I For me the, That complete Kind of risk Of playing A Disney song In yeah. the middle of a night Kind of uh, At a festival Yeah And it's like This could go down Like a sack of uh, Bricks Or It could be the best thing That's happened tonight And It it worked, but that
1: was it for me.
2: That risk of this is either really stupid or it's going to be
1: awesome. I want to see you DJ now. Uh, Now I really want to see you DJ. Um, Thanks for telling me that because that that explains why you don't mix your mixes beforehand. There we go. But then again, you're not... Because I think about... If you're David Guetta or you're Eric Murillo, I'm not saying that these guys do it, but if you're like one of those massive names that people see, mm. there's, the element of risk is that if you fuck up, you're not going to get paid quarter of a million dollars for two hours' work.
2: Yeah, definitely. And
1: so what if you... Uh, If you've automated most of your set and you just kind of mime in the fades here and there. Oh, yeah.
2: But then you've got someone like Girl Talk who he is very pre-produced. He's got everything ready and set on his computer. I believe he uses Tractor. But at the same time, there is a lot of room for him to creatively change the set. And he'll be up there on stage with a bunch of other people. And you watch him. And I watched him. He'll have samples ready to go, ready to click. And he'll be playing some song and he'll drag it out until people have started making enough noise or have taken off enough clothes. And then he'll drop it. And right. he bases his set on the, the room and the feel of the room, the energy. Yeah. And uh, that's why I admire him as someone who's still got everything kind of practiced and, and prepped and ready to go, but there's that live element that he and can so change. And that's, that's
1: what you like. You like the give and take between the audience the, and it's the... It's
2: all about the give and take. Yeah, yeah. I think DJs fail to understand... That it's about the crowd It's not about oh, I've watched DJs get up And they're like Yeah They throw up their arms They do the Tiesto stance And it's like guys You're playing other people's music And you have It's about the crowd It's about making them happy It's not You know By my own means your performance But it's only if that's To get the crowd You know So
1: you've talked a lot of, And I've DJed So I know exactly what this feels like But I'd like you to describe it What's it like When you play a record And the dance floor empties Ah oh, God,
2: I I've ruined a dance floor um, uh, once, and it did, doesn't feel good. And that was when I turned up to a an event, which I was told it's like, all right, we want you to play disco, like disco, disco, disco. And I'm like, okay, great. And, you know, I love playing disco, and so I was all set, ready to go. And I turned up, and it was a hip hop crowd. I'm like serious hip hop, and and I was like, okay, did I, do I have any hip-hop? On? I'm like, not even a single bar. And I turn up and then I went to get on and I realized, I, knew, I saw the inevitable coming. And as soon as I jumped on those decks and I played that first song, everyone just stopped and they just walked to, to the bar to get a drink. Yeah. And after playing for a little while, I turned to the, the I'm like, look, I'm not, I don't have a, a problems with my pride to admit that I am failing you know this like right now and so I need someone to come back and play some fucking (laughs) hip-hop because this party needs hip-hop and I don't have it and some guys like I got this and I'm like great so I pulled out I was at the promoter I was like, he's like, oh, sorry, man. And he's like, I'm really sorry. I didn't tell you that it was going to be... I get, you know what? I don't want to get paid. <laughs> don't, don't worry. I, you know, I should have had, I should have had hip hop. Yeah. And like now, obviously my USBs, I, I, I turn up with three and I've got everything, yeah. everything ready to go. I've got rock, classic rock. I've got country. I've got swing. I've got swing music. I've got electro swing ready yeah. to go. Right. And I'll play a set of electro swing house. And have the best time ever
1: That speaks volumes To the kind of man That you are though To be able to say To a promoter In front of a room Full of people I'm not your guy Don't pay me Get the other guy back Yep This is your party You're going to lose You've got much more To lose than me Yeah That says a lot about you I don't think many people Would have that kind of and he was a nice guy. And he said, look, oh, we'll still pay you. It's my fault. It's my fault
2: because I didn't tell you to t- turn up with hip-hop. And like, I just want to get out of here. Wow. <laughs> my tail is between my legs right now. <laughs> and I feel sheepish. Let's move on and forget that ever happened.
1: Um, so I should really let you get out of here because you've been up for a very long time. That's I've okay. been having fun, Mr. G. Look, we'll, we'll have to talk about a lot of other things next time. Because there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about... Um, I want to talk to you about surfing. I want to talk to you about motorcycles. Ugh. I want to talk to you about your photography.
2: Dude, why, why, why didn't we open with these well, three categories? We've already gone
1: an hour and I need to save something for when you're, on, when you're back, on the, on, back here next time. Um, but I do want to end with this because I watched a movie yesterday and I was like, this is fate. That guy looks exactly like Danny Clayton. <laughs> Who do you get told you look like?
2: Jeez. Uh, where do I begin? Ellen DeGeneres. Um, that's probably a... Just
1: a 6.5 version with a penis. Uh, <laughs> uh,
2: hey, Wolf. Well, yeah. We don't know if she's going to penis. No, no, she doesn't. Uh, who else do I get told I look like? Someone once said, uh, I, I don't even want to speak it because I think it's what, sacrilege. Someone's like, oh man, you're kind of like Bodhi. I'm like, oh, as if. As if... Oh,
1: Bodhi from Point Break. Bo- point Break. Bodhi's not coming back.
2: Yeah. You let him get away. <laughs> I'm sorry. Americans do
1: awful That's Australian terrible. accents. It's terrible. Um, tell, tell me, who, who do I look like? And I, I, I'm going to... I believe it was quite flattering when I tell you. You look like Kerry <laughs> Ulls. You look like Farm Boy from Princess Bride. That
2: is the loveliest thing you could have ever said. You're the man in black. I, I can't believe you. I bought that book and I've read it. To start to finish I watched it last night And I'm
1: like I think this is a fair yardstick Like If you're a person That absolutely Remains unmoved When watching The Princess Bride I don't think we can be friends Yeah That's pretty much it If you don't find that film To be Just a piece of magic Then Good for you But We probably can't hang out I
2: mean It's inconceivable That you (laughs) Couldn't enjoy that movie I just I mean, I can't. And the so best no. part about it is that
1: Inigo Montoya, yeah, you killed my father, prepare to die, is now um, the guy from Homeland. No, that's him. <laughs> that that's really Maddie Fatick, the You're guy kidding. with the beard. You're kidding me. Yeah, that's, oh, that's makes so much sense. That's Maddie Fatick. He's the guy from Homeland. He's the he's was well, Saul, I think his name is. What a brilliant! Everything about that book of oh, that movie is perfect. just perfect. perfect.
2: Every character has such an unbelievable role. Yeah. The it's one of the more perfect. Man. That
1: and Raiders of the Lost Ark are probably two of the probably more perfect films ever written and produced. It just, it's, it's weighted so perfectly. The acts are just the right length. The characters are clear as day. Every scene starts and ends with a problem that gets solved. It's just genius. An
2: old school romance. Wesley knew where it was at. He knew that he had <laughs> to to win. He had yeah. to win his woman. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's brilliant. And,
1: and Christopher Gass, Nigel Tufnell, the man with the six fingers, is brilliant. It turns out such a coward. Such a
2: coward. And I remembered that poison drinking for... This is terrifying, okay? Because it's funny you should bring up this movie. Uh, the scene where he outwits... Physic. Uh, physic. Yeah. And he, he but drinks... But wait,
1: I'm just getting started!
2: <laughs> <laughs> but the, the poison drinking and how he'd drunk a tiny little bit of poison his entire life, so he was immune to its effects. I legitimately spoke to my parents about this and said, do you think there's... Because, I mean, this movie came out when I was a child. Do you think that there is a a good enough purpose for me to start drinking this poison, you know, in bits and bits? Because I want to be immune to... And this was when my, my dad grabbed me by the shoulders. I believe he grabbed me by the face and he stared in my eyes. He's like, Danny... It is just a movie You know, this is just a movie Don't you dare go drinking bleach (laughs) Because this
1: is just in case But you don't understand, Dad One day A a princess's life might be in danger And I may need to outwit someone In a battle of wits Where I poison both chalices Dad, can't you see how important this is? Makes sense At the time to
2: drink arsenic as a child I mean (laughs) I should have done it (laughs) Um, You can find
1: Danny... You're on Twitter, at Danny Clayton or at Danny
2: J. Clayton? At Danny J. Clayton. And I don't have the same Instagram handle, which totally sucks, because that's just Danny Clayton.
1: Um, but, you know. If, you, if people could only follow one, what do you say they should follow? At the moment, I love Instagram. It's great. It's just fun. It's great. It's very... oh, Instagram, it's just something more about
2: it. I love mm. it. But, you know, yeah, Twitter's got its place. Twitter has its place. Bragging about, you know, your... Bragging about your your unexceptional lives and, I find, and your lunch. I find
1: Twitter a wonderful place to have uh, random conversations with strangers. Yeah, that I find mag- magnificent. Have you got any actual Twitter friends? I've got two Twitter friends, people I've never met in person, uh, but I've actually paid to do stuff for me, and I've never had a conversation with them face to face. I've never spoken on the phone with either of these people, but they've both provided services for me that are and all organised through Twitter.
2: No, I've Twitch hiked. Does Which that count? Is which is hitchhiking
1: but using Twitter. Yeah, okay, we'll get out on this because you do this a lot. I notice on your Twitter you often say, I'm in Perth, I need to wear a suit. Or, <laughs> uh, hey, I'm in Adelaide in Marion, I need to get to town. Um, and you do this quite a bit. How does it work out for you?
2: Uh, very well. Unbelievably well. I guess I'm one of those people that throws positivity out into the universe, not to get overly you know, deep. Mate, but
1: You're talking my language, my friend. I
2: love to throw that positivity out and... I feel like it comes back and, and I'm not afraid to ask for it to come back. And I'll be somewhere well away in, in, in some town, I don't know, and send out a tweet and say, hey, this is my location. Does anyone feel like picking me up and taking me to the airport? And people will write back immediately, say, yeah, sure, man. I'll see you in 15. Turn up, take him to the airport. And then all of a sudden, a week later, they might, you know, check the mailbox and discover those tickets to that gig they really wanted to see. But it's that just universal kind of goodwill feeling. And I, I like to pay it forward. And I've accepted strangers uh, to sleep at my house. And I've given people rides and all this kind of stuff. But it does come back. I swear. I know this sounds stupid, but... I
1: he agrees. Yeah, that guy, that guy agrees That guy agrees Totally
2: agrees But if you throw it out Into the universe It really does come back
1: I couldn't agree with you more And in my experience That's exactly what My life has been like I haven't done the kind of uh, uh, Stuff that you're talking about though um, I should try that a bit more Oh it's great Reedy was telling me Reedy one of the lifeguards Here on the beach Was telling me They were in Manchester In, uh, in a Maccas I don't know I think he eats a bit cleaner now But he's in Manchester in England, in Northern England in Maccas, and he writes on their Facebook page, hey, we're in Manchester, we've got autographed books for the first two people that turn up. This is a lifeguard from Bondo Beach in Sydney, Australia. He said like 15 people showed up within three minutes. Yeah. Amazing.
2: People, I think, do take for granted the incredible humanity-encouraging power of...
1: Things like Twitter. Well, the thing is, you read the news and it looks like everything is bad news. But you're describing, you're getting into cars with strangers. You're a public figure. People could shank you and take, you know, you've got expensive cameras and shit on you. People could, but they don't. Could I tell you a story? Please. That's what the show is about. Okay. uh, When it comes to strangers and just,
2: you know, being recognised and and stuff like that, uh, this happened to me a, a few weeks ago. Some guy uh came up to me at a bar and it's like hey how you doing you know and we, we got on chatting and then I, you know, I didn't know him and he's like look can I buy you a beer I'm like yeah I'd be very gentleman of you so he got me a beer and we're having a yarn and he's like look I'm really sorry I need to get this off my chest you know like a few months back you were at a festival I was calling you a wanker and being a dick I was drunk and you wouldn't say anything mean back and i was hassling you and i was you were just with your your friends and none of your friends even you know even even noticed and like we were just heckling you and you said nothing the entire time i'm like okay this is i would love to see where you're going and he's like and i came up and this guy was in my face i didn't even remember this this guy was in my face like yelling at me being a dick and i was like whatever And then a few weeks down the track, here I was in a bar having a conversation with him and he's like, look, I have been thinking about that for so long after that festival and you weren't being rude to me back and it drove me nuts and I'm so glad I've bumped into you again because I just want to buy you this beer and say how sorry I am and here it is. And I was like, that's really lovely. (laughs) It's really lovely that you're telling me that you called me a dick and I couldn't be happier about this exchange. And I feel like That people have this huge question That hangs over them Are people inherently evil With a bit of good Or are they inherently good With a bit of evil And I am strongly in the position To to think that the world And humanity Is in this situation Where we're inherently good And we want to do good things We want to take care of each other But yes, in man There is this portion of evil But I really think that if you put faith in, in others, it often you know, bears fruit, like this jerk at a festival <laughs> who, instead of bearing fruit, he
1: bared a beer. Yeah. Danny Clayton, you have been nothing but a gentleman. Thank you, Osher. Thank you so much for being here today. Cheers. <laughs> and that was Danny Clayton. You can find him on Twitter at... Danny J Clayton let him know you heard him here on the show Um, he's a remarkable guy he'll work for as long as he wants to work in TV though he really will he can do anything he can do absolutely anything and I think one common theme that you'll hear a lot on this show is that pretty much everyone I've had on once they see that opportunity once they see getting in there just hard work is what keeps them there and they're working smart but they're also working hard not only to, to get the job, but also to keep the job. And I don't know. I, I hope I hope you can see that. I hope you, know, you can see that it's a common theme in, in everyone that I, that I talk to. And It's not by choice. I just ask, and that's their answers. That's what it always is. That's what the answer is. That was very interesting. <laughs> um, please, if you like the show and you feel that you, that you, you want to do it, if you're happy to do it, please reach down into your pocket, pick up the app that you're listening to this this show on, and click share either on iTunes or on Android. Um, If you're listening online, just copy the URL into a Facebook post if you could. That'd make my day. It'd be the best thing ever. Thank you so, 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 so much. This is my last week of doing breakfast radio in Sydney. My last week of um, making cow shakes the night before, putting them in the fridge and then getting up at 3.45 to ride my bicycle into work. Um, By the time I talk to you next week, I'll be back in Brisbane. Yeah, I'm really enjoying doing breakfast radio. I'm really enjoying being part of a team because so I work alone a lot of the time when I'm, you know, creating TV formats or I'm, you know, I'm pitching, and doing things like that. So it's really nice to be a part of a team. It's really nice to be um, to be involved uh, with a bunch of people all working together. And um, it was particularly lovely to work with with Rachel Finch, uh, who, for those outside Australia, she's a um, she was Miss Australia and she went on to Miss Universe, but she didn't win Miss Universe. But she's just She's one of these people. She's just seen this window of opportunity and she just works. Her dedication to exceptionalism is just astounding and how hard she works. How hard she works at being great uh, is amazing. She's got an 11-week-old daughter and she's just so dedicated, so dedicated to being the best at everything she does and is incredible in um, just her drive and just fearless in taking direction and, and developing her, her, her talent. I'm just just so jazzed working with her. And she's got a lovely husband and you know, beautiful daughter. She's a beautiful family that look after each other. It's, it's just really great. It's really nice to be around. It's really, really nice to be around. Yeah, I'm really grateful. Mostly to you for listening because if I didn't have you, I wouldn't have this show. Um, got new and noteworthy this week in iTunes, which is pretty bonkers so thanks to everybody that made that happen that's amazing amazing so thank you so much Um, have a great week I hope you sleep really well and dream of beautiful things bye